Amen indeed. Doxology is what we call that chorus, and uh, the word doxology uh, means right praise. Um, doxa, which means uh, praise, and uh, logi, uh, which is get the word word for, so right praise, doxology. So that is what we do. We give our right praise to God. I want to invite you to hear the word of the Lord today, which comes from uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 32, and I'm going to be reading uh, verses 22 through 28. This is about um, Jacob, who uh, was an Old Testament character, um, Abraham's son, Isaac, who had a son named Jacob. It says, the same night Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word today. Amen. When I was a kid, um, we started a wrestling club uh, in my hometown. And so I got to be a, uh, a part. I, was, I think I started at my kindergarten year. I, I learned uh, how to wrestle. And uh, my parents would take me on Saturdays from places to, uh, like Lamar, Colorado, uh, to Dallas, to Odessa, to Lubbock, to Amarillo, Texas, to uh, Oklahoma City, all over the area uh, from my little hometown up in the northern panhandle of Texas. And I was a pretty good little wrestler. I was a scrappy kid, uh, and I won some tournaments and that kind of a thing. But I remember one of the things that um, uh, I always felt is that uh, the people I wrestled against after we would be on the mat for uh, several rounds and we were wrestling against one another, that that act of, of wrestling against one another built up a sense of mutual respect uh, for uh, my opponents. And I can remember to this day the, the feeling of, uh, yeah, I want to beat this person, uh, but also have a, a sense of respect for this person. There is really a, a bonding of sorts that happens when two people struggle against one another within uh, certain parameters. And you even look at today at mixed martial arts, for example. I don't know how many of you guys are mixed martial arts folks, but uh, if you've ever watched mixed martial arts or boxing or anything like that, you can see two people, that they don't even like each other sometimes before the match or before the fight, but after they go five rounds in the ring of beating each other up and struggling with one another, there's this sense of mutual respect. Uh, after punching each other in the face for up to 25 minutes, they give each other a hug when it's all over. There's something amazing about uh, and something deep that happens here in the act of wrestling uh, or struggle. Uh, we are in a series on prayer, and this is our third of five weeks in this series. 
And prayer basically is, it can be defined in a lot of ways, but one of the ways that we talk about prayer is that prayer is an invitation. It is an invitation from God to each and every one of you and me to enter into a relationship with Him. It is an, inner, it, it is an invitation to have real fellowship with God, to have communion with God, to have real interaction and a real relationship with a living God. There is someone on the other end of the line. There is somebody on the other end of the relationship. We're not just making this stuff up and living in uh, our own little imaginary worlds. Prayer is an invitation into a relationship. Last week, we talked about three areas of our life that are connected to our prayer life. And these three areas of uh, your faith or your life, uh, depending on how you uh, are in those three areas, will determine really how your prayer life is. Uh, The first area is our faith. And faith basically is a belief in God and that God is good. If you believe that God is good, that's going to significantly impact how you pray, how often you pray, how deeply you pray, uh, how much you want to pray, uh, if you believe he is good or not. Uh, The second element of that is the element of surrender. It's a willingness uh, somewhere in the process of prayer to be transformed, to be changed. If we come to God and we're not willing to change, we're not we're not willing to be transformed or to change our thoughts or anything like that, then we're really not coming, entering into a relationship. We're just coming and asking God to do for us what we already think we need to be done or what we want. We're just using God, in other words. And then finally, a sense of humility. And one of the ways we can talk about humility is that we're always a beginner. Prayer is one of those practices that the more you do it, the more you feel like a beginner. And that's a good thing. That's all a part of what it means to be humble. And so because of that, we're always practicing. Prayer is something you can only uh, learn as you practice. And if you stink at it, then great. Keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Don't say, well, I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to. No, continue to jump in. Continue to learn how to pray. Today's scripture from Genesis might not make your top 10 uh, scriptures on prayer. Often you think of prayer, we don't think of uh, Genesis chapter 32, but let's take a little bit of a closer look to this story. Jacob had burned his bridges. He had deceived his twin brother Esau out of uh, the, the birthright and out of their father's blessing and had left Esau uh, pretty much fleeing him because Esau wanted him dead. That's a good reason to leave, right? Someone wants to kill me, I'm leaving. So Jacob leaves and he goes and he finds his uncle Laban and um, several hundred miles away. And he ends up living in uh, Laban's land there for a while, ends up marrying Laban's two daughters, uh, Leah and Rebekah and uh, Leah and Rachel. And after several years there, Jacob through Just the way that he is uh, ends up also deceiving Laban and burns a bridge there. So Jacob's kind of in this place where he had burned a bridge with Esau. He had burned a bridge with his uncle. And now he's returning back uh, to try to find uh, some some land or a place to have uh, and dwell and be. And he knows that uh, in front of him means that he has to face Esau. Well, Jacob gets word that Esau is coming toward him with hundreds of armed men. And Jacob, knowing that 
14 years before when he had left the relationship, uh, things were really rocky and that Esau was wanting to kill him. At that point, he concludes, Esau wants to kill me now. So he is at this point where he is stuck. And so Jacob takes all his possessions and he divides them into two groups and he puts them into droves and he sends them ahead of himself toward Esau thinking that, well, if he attacks one of the groups, maybe the other group will escape. And so Jacob, think about the positioning here. Everything that Jacob values is in between him and Esau and Jacob is at the very back. Okay. He's got all his stuff, all his people, everything in front of him, and he is selfishly waiting at the back of, of the, the caravan. And so it is at this point that Jacob comes to this creek, and he ends up sending everything across, his family included, and it says then that Jacob is alone. He is by himself. And he is, he is trapped between these two groups of people. This is the perfect set of conditions in a person's life for an encounter with God, is it not? When you're stuck, when you've got people on this side or people on this side or a situation over here and a situation over here, and you know you cannot by your own power get out of it yourself. This is a perfect example of where prayer comes in. It is in this place, in the crucible of life, where we get real with God. And if we have the humility uh, and the self-awareness to do so, we get real with ourselves, don't we? And in this place, it says that a man wrestles with Jacob until daybreak. If you look at the life of Jacob, you can see character flaw after character flaw after character flaw. But one of the things that he does have is persistence. Jacob wrestles with God all through the night. And the, the man of God says to Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. At this point, the man says, okay, I will bless you. I'm going to rename you. You are no longer to be named Jacob. I'm going to name you Israel. And all of the people that I have made a covenant with will be named after you. Israel. And the word Israel means one who wrestles with God. God has named his very own people one who wrestles with me. There's a part of prayer that must be like wrestling. A sense of struggle, a push and a pull, an exertion of energy. And somewhere in the middle of all that, things change, things happen, bonding happens, transformation happens. I can remember when my kids were younger, especially, uh, we would wrestle a lot. And usually no one would get hurt too bad, but it's one of the things we love to do the most is wrestle. And I, I would just love to, you know, let them pin me or I'd pin them. And it was so much fun. And they're getting older now and they're harder to beat and they wear me out. And, you know, the floor doesn't have carpet on it anymore. There's a lot of reasons why we don't wrestle as much anymore, but there's something very great about it. And you know, I could have pinned him every time. And I think in the same way, this man of God could have pinned Jacob just like that. But there's this sense of, of working with him. 
and getting out of Jacob, getting him down to the very bottom of his own heart. And so, brothers and sisters, I have a question for you. Have you ever wrestled with God? And have you ever said, I will not let you go until you bless me? There's a boldness in all this, isn't there? If you only pray sweet little prayers, then you are missing out on the deeper stuff. You're missing out on the deeper parts of a prayer life. Scriptures remind us again and again that we are called to have boldness as we go into the presence of God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That therefore, let us therefore approach. What, what is the therefore? What's, what precedes that? Well, it's this. Jesus has already gone before us and passed through the heavens before God. That means that you have an advocate before God the Father. It's like having an attorney representing you on your behalf. And his name is Jesus. He goes before you. He's already cleared the way. He has already made a way for you to go into the very presence of God. And so when we pray, we pray in faith, believing in what Jesus has already done for us, that we can speak before God because Jesus has made a way for us to do so. Ephesians 3.12, Paul says, We have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in Him. In whom? Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ our Lord, we can pray and God will hear our prayers. This is a boldness that comes from a radical belief in the goodness of God, a radical belief in a God who will bless me if I stay with it long enough. Throwing your life upon the mercy of God, upon the mercy of the cross, and demanding a blessing. So what are the ways that we can boldly go before God? I want to just give you some examples. One is we can bring our worries and our anxieties before God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He doesn't say cast some of your anxiety. He says cast what? All. All your anxiety on Him because why? He cares for you. Again, we have this good theology that says yes, I believe God is good. I believe God cares for me. I believe God wants to bless me. When you have those foundational beliefs, then you will go into that place. I believe that too often in our culture, people take our worries and our anxieties, and instead of really casting them upon Jesus, we hold on to them. We internalize them. And if you do that long enough, all kinds of stuff will happen inside of you, won't it? And it, there could be emotional symptoms, psychological symptoms, uh, physical symptoms. And I just wonder how much of the, for example, medication we take in our society would not be necessary if we prayed more. And we prayed more boldly. 
I'm not anti-medication, but I do believe that if we prayed boldly and persistently, we would not have as many of the symptoms that we carry around in our bodies and in our souls. We can bring our worries and our anxieties to God, and we can bring them with boldness. The second area is we can bring our complaints to God. Do you know there's a complaint department in heaven? You can bring your complaints before the Lord. God wants us. I believe this. I believe God wants us to bring our complaints to him. Too often, I think instead, we tend to keep this safe distance from God, saying things like, well, I guess it's just God's will. If you have a problem with God, go to him. State your case. Present yourself before him, even at the risk of being wrong. It is better to to be wrong and go to God and present your case rather than just saying, staying at a safe distance and saying, I'm just probably not, not right in my thinking about this situation. God wants us to bring our complaints before him. The psalmist knew the full range of prayers. If you want to learn how to pray, read a psalm every day. Just start with Psalm 1. Tomorrow, read Psalm 2. The next day, read Psalm 3. It will give you grammar. It will give you a training ground for prayer. And sometimes you'll read those psalms and you'll think, this is the craziest psalm I've ever read. And at other times, you'll say, that hits the spot. But it gives you the full range. Psalm 42.9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? That's a prayer. That is a legitimate, bona fide prayer. You can say that to God. Psalm 1091 says, Do not be silent, O God of my praise. The experts on prayer who wrote the book on prayer that we have 3,000 years later, do not be silent. And then perhaps... One of the most well-known is Psalm 22.1. It's a psalm that was prayed by our Lord and Savior while He was being crucified on a cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the prayers of people who believe in the goodness of God and who are willing to take all their stuff into His presence, even their complaints, even their worries, even their anxieties, even their question marks to bring it all right there before the Lord that's the stuff of wrestling and then finally a necessary element in this whole business of prayer is persistence to stick with it I wonder how often we give up on prayer And by giving up on prayer, we're selling God short and we're selling ourselves short of what can happen in the arena, of what can happen in the encounter. Persistence means that we wait. We live in a world that is driven by efficiency. I'm one of the most efficient, driven people I know. And so waiting is very difficult for those of us who are efficient driven. I pulled up to a stoplight today. And it turned red. And there's this little tiny side street on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock. Nobody was coming. And I just sat there for a whole 30 seconds of red light. Waiting. 
Brothers and sisters, waiting is not wasted time in prayer, okay? God is moving under the surface beyond our ability to perceive. God is moving in the background. He's moving behind the scenes. God might be waiting on us more than we're waiting on him. He might be weaning us off of our desire to control him, to control the outcome, to control the timing of what we want to happen. Persistence in waiting. So there's this element of patience. There's also this element of pestering God. You know that you can pester God? Be a pest, okay? Let's say that together. I feel like y'all are a little sleepy this morning, okay? So um, let's say, let, let's do a little exercise. Let's say I am a worshiper, okay? One, two, three, I am a worshiper, okay? Now we're gonna say I am a pest, okay? One, two, three, I am a pest, okay? Pester your God. Go boldly before the throne of grace. If we believe that God listens to us, we will do just that. Jesus tells a story of a woman who knocks on an unjust judge's door at night, and she pesters him to give her justice against her opponent. The judge, who is not even a righteous man, says, I don't really care about what's right, but because this lady is bothering me, I'm going to give her justice against her neighbor. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, and will God not grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Pester God. Go before him. Don't give up. This is what we see in Jacob. It's like his one good thing he had going in his whole life. Everything else was, he was a deceiver. He was a conniver. Nobody would have liked him if he lived today, I think, but he had persistence. And I believe that part of his faith came because earlier in his life, back in Genesis chapter 28, God came to him and he had this amazing encounter with the Lord. And he heard God say, know that I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So Jacob hears this from God in a dream, and Jacob wakes up from his sleep and he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Part of going into God's throne room is that we remember his promises, we remember what he said he was gonna do. We remember what, who he said he was and who he says we are. That is our grounding and our grounds for going into his throne room. So Jacob wrestles. He is blessed. What happens afterwards? Afterwards, Jacob goes out in front. He's no longer hiding behind all his possessions and his, his family and everything else. He is the first one to go and encounter his brother Esau. And he goes and he throws himself on his feet in humble confession. Why is that? Why is that he was a coward at first and now all of a sudden he is bold and brave? Well, the reason is because once you have wrestled with God, your brother is not that intimidating anymore. Your, your whole life gets put into perspective. Real prayer rearranges not just our circumstances out there, but changes us. You cannot be in the presence of God and be untransformed. You will always be changed when you're in his presence. Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
martyr in World War II who stood up against the Nazis and Hitler says this, those who are still afraid of men have no fear of God. And those who have fear of God have ceased to be afraid of men. When you go into the throne room of grace, when you wrestle with God, when you go toe-to-toe with Him, with him when you let Him work you over and have his, his power and His mercy all upon you, then it changes the way that you go out into the world. This persistence of prayer, this demand for a blessing transforms Jacob. And so we're going to have a moment to pray this morning. Augie's going to come. He's going to lead us in a time of meditation. And I want to invite you to consider the following question in your life. Ask yourself this. How am I holding back in my prayer life? Am I afraid to go boldly before God? Am I too lazy to go boldly before God? Why am I holding back? Do I not believe He is good enough? What keeps you from going and wrestling with the Lord? Let us pray together. Lord, we just ask that you would enable us with your spirit and your power and your grace to go boldly into your throne room today. To approach you, to believe that you're good, and to know that there is no thing in our life, whether it feels big or small, there's nothing that you want us to withhold from you. And so we just lift up our concerns and our burdens. We lift up our joys. We lift up everything before you and we bring it into your throne room of grace, O God. O Lord, would you hear our prayer and speak to us this morning.